bow your heads with me just a moment, please. Lord Jesus, as we bow our heads, we do so in your presence. As a sign, Lord, of our willingness to yield to you, to your word, to your desire for our lives, to the inspiration that you give to us, the commands that you lay upon us, the stirrings within us. Lord, we humbly bow before you. And as we do so, I pray that you would take my lips and speak through them that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, we've taken the general title, The Joy of Giving, I want to especially emphasize that. Even in today's lesson, the joy of those who gave out of their poverty, not out of their wealth. But to be a joyful, generous people is really a gift from God. And when it comes to talking about money, you and I both know that folks get uneasy. I'm not the least little bit uneasy. Nothing moves in the right direction without the resources to go there. God has blessed us with great leadership at this church, an amazing staff, wonderful property, all kinds of opportunities for ministry. And one of those great opportunities is to commit ourselves to serious giving to the work of the Lord and our pledges this year go to the commitment to next year's work. So we follow along with the United States government who wants you to give, give you the opportunity to give in a tax relief way so that when you give, those gifts are not taxed. And in that encouragement, for us to be a generous people, <laughs> to avoid as much tax as possible. <laughs> it's much better given here for the Lord's work than to Uncle Sam and how he often spends our money. But you and I know that sort of uneasiness, there's an awkwardness. In fact, if you've brought somebody here to worship, you're a little embarrassed that you brought them here on such a Sunday. Because sometimes the accusation is that the church is always talking about money. That's not so here. But this is a season when we do address it. I don't know if you heard about the woman who turned up at the Presbyterian manse, met with the Presbyterian pastor and asked him if uh, he would do a funeral service for her dog. 
He was a little awkward and embarrassed about it, but she's sitting in his study. So he said, ma'am, we can't do that. Not really. He said, you might try the Baptist church down the street. Oh, she said, okay, but maybe you can at least give me some advice. Should I pay the Baptist minister, offer him $500 or $750 for that service? To which the Presbyterian minister immediately piped up and said, ma'am, you didn't tell me your dog was a Presbyterian. We are not always grubbing around for money. But how we spend our money and how we commit our money is as serious as whether we're serious about the Lord. The Lord Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. The heart being the passion, the thrust of your life, its ingenuity, it's giftedness, it's resources, where your treasure is, where you put priority on your wealth is where your heart is, where your passion is. You want to be more passionate about the church and your relationship to the Lord? Learn to joyfully give generously. I think you all know, if you don't, it may be a revelation to you, that the Lord actually loves a cheerful giver. Scripture makes that quite plain. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, not a miserable giver, a cheerful giver. And that component, the component of joy, joy in the giving, in the generosity, is primarily the theme of everything we'll be saying this month, but especially here this morning as we set sail into this issue. Look at page 6 in your service sheet, or if you've got your Bible with you, turn to 2 Corinthians and chapter 8. We're going to work our way through this passage all too swiftly and then draw some conclusions. You see in verse 1 it says this, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Now he's writing to Corinth. This is his second letter to Corinth. His first letter closed with this thought. Chapter 16, the closing chapter, he begins by saying, now about the collection for God's people, this would be in Jerusalem, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. I need to mention that when you read the book of the Galatians, the epistle there, chapter 2 and verse 10, he says that he was zealous there in talking to them about this gift for those who were in poverty in Jerusalem. So he says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, 
saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. And in fact, Paul did go on to Jerusalem, and that was his last trip to Jerusalem. And he went there with that gift. And that visit to Jerusalem led to his incarceration and his being sent to Rome, where he was executed. Paul took giving seriously, as did the Lord Jesus. You remember the picture that he painted as he's watching the giving in the temple. And he sees all the wealthy giving large amounts, pouring them into the coffers, real money, not checks, not credit cards, the real deal, into the coffers. And then one little lady put in two copper coins, all she had. And Jesus' observation, she gave more than the rest. She gave all out of her poverty. Jesus takes the matter of how we use our resources, even if we don't have much, very, very seriously. So as you take a look at this with me, once he said that he's written to these other places, he says, now brothers, I want you to know about the grace that God has given me and that the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. He's using not just the Galatian situation from his first letter, but now he's quoting the generosity of the Macedonians. He's using their giving as an example. Macedonia was and still is north of what we call Greece, borders Greece on its northern border. Again, some of you will remember how Paul got to go to Macedonia. He was actually on his way into northern Turkey, an area called Galatia, when he had a vision of a Macedonian, clearly marked by his dress, a vision saying to Paul, come over and help us. And Paul, realizing that that was a call from God, immediately put together his belongings and took off for Macedonia. Philippi is in Macedonia. And then he went to Thessalonica, also in Macedonia. And then further south, south of Macedonia, to Berea, all in Macedonia, before he headed further south to Athens and to Corinth. And in his going to the Macedonians, the people in Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, 
he made it known that there was this need in Jerusalem and with a sense of earnestness had called on them to be generous in their giving. And he's using their response in Macedonia, their response as an example to the folks down in Corinth, very wealthy neighborhood. Look at what he says, verses 2 through 4. Speaking of them, he said, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. There are two positives and two negatives in that verse. The negatives with severe trial. You remember what happened to Paul in Philippi? Beaten, imprisoned, earthquake, jailer gets converted. He leaves town, goes to Thessalonica, he gets driven out of the Thessalonian neighborhood. You read about it in Acts as well as the, the epistle to the Thessalonians. Severe trial, severe, vicious opposition to the gospel. That's one negative. Severe trial, and then look at the other. He speaks about their poverty as being extreme. Extreme poverty. Not just generally poor, but extreme in their poverty. Those are the two negatives. Severe trial, extreme poverty. And the positives that they gave joyfully. With an overflowing joy. Do you see that? Just as their trial and their poverty were extreme, so was their joy. It was overflowing, exuberant. And their generosity, the other poverty, the other characteristic, is described as rich. Out of their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity joyfully generous. He further goes on to say what you might not ever expect to be said. Look at verse 3. I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. So they went the second mile beyond whatever might have been reasonable. They gave even more than they were able. They gave beyond their ability. And look at what he says as he closes that verse. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing 
in this service to the saints. Almost as if Paul was somewhat embarrassed at how they were now giving and giving and giving. And he said, now wait on, wait on, you don't need to be giving like this. That's implicit in what it goes on to say that they pleaded with him for the privilege of giving. How many people do you know are like that? Looking to be generous, not being assuaged in any point and stopped in their generosity, and pleading to be even more so generous. The reality is this, that generosity is a gift. It's a grace from God. Look at verse 1 again. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It's something that God inspired as a gift, a grace from him. In Romans chapter 12, you've got teaching about how God gifts the body of Christ let me read these words to you, beginning at verse 5, Romans 12. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Those gifts, God being gracious to us. And this is what he says. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. That's speaking out truths based on the word of God into the face of the people. Verse 7, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is in encouraging, let him encourage. And here, he goes on to say, if it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. One of these gracious gifts, the gift of generosity. He later says, if it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. But when it's giving to the needs of others to do it generously and described as a grace, a gracious gift from God. If you look on down to verse 6, I'm back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and if you're looking at it with me, look at verse 6. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this, see what it's called there, an act of grace on your part. Again, going back to this notion of it being a gracious gift from God, and as expressed, therefore, an act of grace on their part. And then the last verse, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, 
In faith, that's a gift. In speech, that's a gift. In knowledge, that's a gift. In complete earnestness and in your love for us, that's a gift. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's a gift from God. To be able to give generously and joyfully. And to excel in that gift. And he's saying to them, as he's saying to each of us, you love to know what the truth is, knowledge. You love to be able to speak out that truth, whether it's in teaching or in witness. You want to lead? You want to have responsibility as a leader? He puts that in league with being a giver and being generous in so doing. It's all a gift from God. Let me ask you to do this, which is what I've had to do, is to pray for that gift. It doesn't come easily to me to be generous. That's a confession. It comes much more easy for me to be bold on the promises of God and to proclaim them, to bear witness to Him, to see others come to faith. God has given me the gift of evangelism. It's one of the ministry gifts. He's given me the gift of leadership. I love to lead. He blesses me when I lead. I'm not bragging, I'm just describing what God's given me and the ministry I enjoy exercising. My wife, she has the gift of faithful prayer and the gift of joyful generosity. Some of you guys know what it is to have a wife who's joyfully generous with what you consider to be your possessions. My wife constantly teaches me, bears witness, a wonderful example to me. But for me, it's a spiritual issue. And we keep saying, as God gives me the grace to share with my wife the grace of being generous, that we have found it impossible to outgive God. It seems the more we give, the more we get. We joyfully receive what we get. I'm learning to be joyfully generous in what we give. Let me ask you, if you struggle with this, we're asking you to pray about that pledge card. And to pray what you pledge to next year's ministry. And the encouragement to do so is for you to take a serious look at your wealth what it is you have, and what you are doing with it. And then, according to your wealth, as Paul describes here, you can't give according to what you don't have, but you give according to what you do have. And when he speaks about all this as being according to God's will, 
as a gift, a grace from God, then that's where the conversation needs to be held, with the Lord Himself. You pray about it. One last thing in closing, which is probably, in this context, maybe the most important verse. Having gone through those descriptions, let me ask you just to take a look at verse 5. He says this, they did not do as we expected, because they were so generous, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. They made two huge commitments. The first was to the Lord himself. They discovered the grace of God in Jesus Christ that Jesus came and died on the cross for them, that they might be forgiven their sins. What a gift, as we sang earlier, to have that sin washed as white as snow, done away with, the stain and scar of it. In Christ, forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, knowing that heaven is your home, celebrating as we do here All Saints Day and those who've gone to be home with Jesus to know that he has gone to prepare a place for you that where he is, there you might be as well and that one day he will meet you, greet you, embrace you and take you to be his and to be home with him. They first, in hearing the gospel, gave themselves to the Lord. So out of that gratitude may be They were very, very generous. God had changed their lives, filled them with the joy of eternal life, the abundant life, the life of God indwelling us. That's an immense gift. So out of gratitude, maybe they gave on that account. But it then goes on to say that they gave themselves to us. What an extraordinary statement. What do you think that means? That they believed Paul. They trusted Paul. They'd been blessed by Paul bringing them the message. They had come through that message into the joy of a relationship to Christ. They were grateful to him and to his entourage as they traveled together. So they gave themselves, he says, to us. In other words, it became a little community of commitment, allegiance, a new kind of citizenship, a devoted relationship, one of trust, and in that trust, a willingness to respond to what the leadership that Paul exercised, called on them to respond with, namely to give. First to the Lord, and then to the body of believers. One of the important reasons we ask you to become a committed member of Christ's church is so that you move beyond being 
someone who just participates in worship as a spectator. And you may be giving generously. But to give yourselves not only to the Lord, but to his people, and this becomes your family, therefore you have an allegiance and a sense of belonging and a joyful sense, therefore, of participating with the family in what we're doing together. Is that you? You pray about that as well. If you've yet to sign on the dotted line, stop dating us. Let's get married. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of your life, your love, your spirit, your presence in us. Thank you for the gift of one another, the gift of a vision together to serve you. Thank you for this season of thanksgiving as we out of gratitude for all that we have received, return back to you an expression of your gifts to us. Help us to deal with this with you, Lord. Not just with a bank book or a checkbook, but in relationship to you. Give us the grace, Lord, to fulfill your will with our wealth. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.